Blog Talk Radio. listening to the live internet broadcast of Secrets Revealed. Understand the book of Revelation from start to finish. This is PGN, Prophetic Grace Network, and I am Nicole, your book of Revelation research scientist. Tonight, we are talking about the seven plagues prophecy in the book of Revelation. We're going from start to finish. What's start Revelation chapter 1, what's finish? Revelation chapter 22. Here's how the book is organized. It starts with a preface. The first eight verses of chapter 1 explain how the book of Revelation came into existence. It gives us the chain of command that was followed with respect to that precious information, the revealing of Jesus Christ to the entire world. So it begins with God the Father, who shares the revelation with Jesus Christ, God the Son. Jesus Christ assigns an angel to share the revelation with John the Revelator. Then, and finally, John the Revelator sees... He finds out what is happening, and he sees what is to come, and he writes down everything he sees and hears. So it goes from talking about the revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ to the entire world, those events immediately preceding his second coming, and 25% of the prophecies in the book of Revelation are about what happens after his second coming, but all of it is about his second coming. It starts with that preface telling us what it is and how that information uh, comes to appear in our Holy Bible today. Then the second half of chapter 1 is the formal introduction. John the Revelator tells us about how he has a supernatural experience on the island of Patmos where Jesus Christ himself visits him and gives him an instruction. The instruction is to write down everything that is and those things that are to come. Write those things that are and those things that are to come. So he follows that instruction. And in chapters 2 and 3, 100% of the words that John writes down are the words of Jesus Christ. Those were words about the things that are, the things that were happening at that time. There were seven prophetic words, if you will, seven letters to the seven churches that existed at that time. And in those letters, Jesus shared three things, words of praise, 
number one. Number two, words of criticism. And number three, promises. Promises for all in the church who were victorious. In other words, all who would die in Christ. Then in Revelation chapter 4, we have part 4. John has a second part of his supernatural experience with the book of Revelation. What do I mean by that? So first, Jesus Christ visits him, described in chapter 1, the second half, in the formal introduction. Jesus Christ visits him on the island of Patmos. In chapter 4, he visits at the request of Jesus Christ, he visits heaven. So Jesus Christ first came to earth to talk to John the Revelator, and he describes the appearance of Jesus. He hears the voice of him, then he sees him, and he says what Jesus told him. But now in chapter 4, part 4 of the book of Revelation, that same voice, the voice of Jesus Christ, calls him up to heaven. So he sees an open door in heaven. He's supernaturally transported to heaven, and he tells us exactly what he sees. So in chapter 4 in the book of Revelation, there are no prophecies. There are no metaphors. It's simply a report of what John the Revelator saw when he was called up to heaven. It's like if you went on a trip and you went to visit Paris or you went to visit uh, Washington, D.C., or you went to uh, visit Lisbon. You know, you get to the city and say, oh, well, you know, when I got there, and then you start writing down everything that you saw and heard. So that's what he did. Part 5 of the book of Revelation These are the prophecies. These are documentaries John the Revelator saw. He saw 12 documentaries. How did he see them? So again, he was called up to heaven. After he tells us what he saw literally when he was called up to heaven, then the angel of the Lord, as we had already heard in the preface of the book of Revelation, the angel of the Lord begins to show him the things of come, things to come. How does he show them to him? He shows the, him these external visions with sound. Today we call external visions with sound, moving pictures with sound, we call them movies. If Michael Moore has created a movie about realities, we call it a documentary. When others create movies about realities. We call it a documentary. So in that way, we could think of, just to wrap our brains around, what are we actually seeing in the book of Revelation? What is it? Revelation chapter 5, 6, 7, 8, all the way to verse 5 of 22, these are the documentaries John the Revelator was actually shown in heaven. So the angel of the Lord assigned by Jesus Christ to show him these documentaries, shows them to John the Revelator, and then he writes down everything he saw and heard. So he couldn't whip out his cell phone or his camera or his laptop or his Walkman or his Google Glasses to record what he was seeing and hearing. So he did the best thing that he could, he used the most advanced technology of his day that was a writing utensil and parchment. So he wrote down everything he saw and heard. And that's exactly what Jesus told him to do in the formal introduction. In his first experience uh, with the book of Revelation, Jesus told him, write down those things that are to come. But he hadn't seen them yet. 
he doesn't see them again till he's called up to heaven and the angel of the Lord begins to show him documentary number one. What is it? The seven seals documentary. Then the angel of the Lord immediately after that shows him the seven trumpets documentary. Then shows him the 1,260 days documentary. Then the 666 antichrist documentary. Then the 144,000 first fruits documentary. Then the earth reap documentary. And then we arrive at the seven plagues documentary he watches it he sees it he sees the moving pictures with sound he sees the documentary and he's written down everything he saw and heard and what he has written down is what we see in the book of revelation because it's written down on a piece of paper we call the documentary a prophecy but in fact it's a reality the angel of the Lord says in the conclusion, part six of the book of Revelation, the first thing that the angel of the Lord says to John the Revelator after he has shown him 12 documentaries in a row. Let's go there now. The end of the book of Revelation begins like this. Revelation chapter 22, verse 6, that's the beginning of the conclusion. There are six parts. So after the angel of the Lord shows him these 12 documentaries, including the seven plagues documentary we're going to talk about today, this is what the angel of the Lord says. Everything you have heard and seen is trustworthy and true. Now, why did the angel say that? To reiterate that 100% of the documentaries, the visions that the angel showed John the Revelator are accurate. So in science, uh, I'm a research scientist by training and by trade. In science, we make predictions based on theoretical frameworks and existing data. Sometimes our predictions uh, come to pass. Sometimes they don't. But 100% of the predictions in the book of Revelation are going to come to pass because these are not predictions based on science. These are facts communicated by an omniscient God who created these visions so that the angel of the Lord would show them to John the Revelator so that we could know, so that we would not be in the dark about his second coming because we are not children of satan we are children of god so we will know when his second coming is near because we will understand the prophecies in the book of revelation so today we're going to focus on the seven plagues prophecy is documentary number seven just for completion uh, documentary eight, the purple and scarlet prophecy. Documentary number nine, the marriage supper prophecy. Documentary number ten, the millennial reign documentary. Documentary number eleven, the dead judge documentary. And documentary number twelve, the new earth documentary. So these are prophecies. Um, I see a hand raised. I want to talk about. Uh, the Seven Plagues documentary, and then I'm going to come to our first caller, 404-502. Uh, uh, before we get to you, 404-502, let me share this with everyone. 
We have on the PGN website, there are two websites. So PGN is on usually seven days a week. Our main program is on from uh, on Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, 9 p.m. Central Time until midnight Central Time. That's Prophet Randy Chandler. That's our main PGM program, but we're also on Monday through Thursday, usually from 7 p.m. Central to 8.30 or 9 p.m. I am on every Thursday with Secrets Revealed, Understand the Book of Revelation from start to finish. Um, On the website, the first PGM website, the Blog Talk website, blogtalkradio.com, forward slash live prophetic, you can get the one-page basic study notes. So if you're with us every week, every Thursday and every Sunday, you already know this, but if you're a first-time caller or listener, want to make sure you're aware that you can go and get the free, everything is free on PGN. There's no merchandising on PGN. You can get the one-page basic study notes at blogtalkradio.com forward slash live prophetic. It has the verses, the keywords. Um, the key numbers, uh, the names of the prophecies, all that information is there for you uh, 24-7. Okay. Now, there's a special blessing that comes on uh, everyone who reads the prophecies of the book of Revelation, and there's a special blessing uh, according to Revelation chapter 1, verse 3, to those who hear and obey the words of prophecy in the book of Revelation. So we are focused on one of the 12 prophecies in the book of Revelation. This prophecy is called the seven plagues prophecy. Why? That's language that appears in the documentary. That's language that John the Revelator uses uh, when he is talking about the seven last plagues. So this documentary appears in Revelation chapters 15 and 16. So uh, what am I saying? John the Revelator saw a vision that was external to himself. So he didn't lay down and have a dream. He wasn't uh, walking around and suddenly he had a vision. He was with, he was physically in heaven And he was with an actual angel, not a fallen angel. He was with an angel who was Team Jesus, an angel assigned by Jesus to show him the things to come. So how the angel showed John the Revelator things to come is he showed him one documentary about end-time events, then a second, then a third, and he showed them to him all in a row. And this is the seventh one that he showed him. So every time... Every time he's about to tell us about a new documentary, he normally starts off with, then I saw, because that's, that's the next thing he saw. So let's hear about, uh, let, let's hear the actual documentary. So we don't have the benefit of watching it um, on Netflix or Amazon Prime or Hulu, but we can hear everything that John saw and heard based on what he wrote down. So this is what he said. Let's imagine that we're watching it. Here it is, the seven plagues prophecy. This is what happens after 
the great tribulation described in Revelation chapters 12 and uh, in the 1,260 days prophecy and in Revelation chapter 13, the 666 Antichrist prophecy. This is after the first resurrection and after all Israel is saved, after uh, the fullness of the Gentiles comes in, as described in Revelation chapter 14. So just talking about uh, chronological time, where are we? So the third temple has been rebuilt. The Antichrist has defiled the temple. He has stood in it and declared that he is God. The great tribulation, which is the wrath of Satan, has uh, come and, and it's come to an end. It lasted 42 months. And then at the end of the great tribulation, Jesus Christ returns. All the world uh, sees him 100%. And those of us in Christ rise up to meet him in the clouds. Those of us who are here at the time of the second coming, those who uh, died in Christ returned with him. Their bodies rose from the dead, and they put them on. They put on their new earth suit, their new tent, their incorruptible body. So there are no believers on the earth. There are no believers on the earth. So where where can a, a person be? So a person can be in one of three locations, on the earth, underneath the earth, or above the earth in heaven. Those are the only three places. Those are the only three places. Now, you're going to hear in the seven plagues prophecy why I believe, and you have to decide for yourself, but I believe that we see in Revelation chapter 16, that no person is in crisis here at the time of the seven last plagues. We're going to hear what uh, John the Revelator uh, saw and heard. Let's hear it right now. Then I saw it in heaven, another marvelous event of great significance. Seven angels were holding the seven last plagues, which would bring God's wrath to completion. I saw before me what seemed to be a glass sea mixed with fire, and on it stood all the people who had been victorious over the beast and his statue and the number representing his name, all holding harps that God had given them. Let's pause there for a second. So right at the beginning, we hear that People in Christ, people in Christ are in heaven. We say, well, how do we know they're in heaven? They're on what appears to be a glass sea mixed with fire. So this is referred to earlier in the Seven Seals documentary. And it also says that, they are all holding harps that God had given them. It doesn't say harps that Jesus had given them. It says harps that God had given them. Okay, let's continue. Verse 3, and they were singing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. 
Great and marvelous are your works, O Lord God, the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Who will not fear you, Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous deeds have been revealed. Then I looked and saw that the temple in heaven, God's tabernacle, was thrown wide open. So he's still in heaven. So he describes, he sees uh, people of God in heaven, people who uh, were victorious. In other words, they stayed in Christ for the duration of uh, the time that they were here on the earth of the great tribulation. And he's still in heaven, and now he sees thrown wide open the temple in heaven, God's tabernacle. Then he says in verse 6, the seven angels who were holding the seven plagues came out of the temple. They were clothed in spotless white linen with gold sashes across their chests. Then one of the four living beings handed each of the seven angels a gold bowl filled with the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. The temple was filled with smoke from God's glory and power. No one could enter the temple until the seven angels had completed pouring out the seven plagues. Now let's continue. Revelation chapter 16. Then I heard a mighty voice from the temple say to the seven angels, Go your ways and pour out on the earth the seven bowls containing God's wrath. Now let's pause there for a second. There's the wrath of Satan and the wrath of God. There's Satan's wrath and there's God's wrath. At time one is Satan's wrath. That's the great tribulation, a 42-month period, a time of great distress for those who are team Jesus. At time two... After time one, again, time one is Satan's wrath. Time two is God's wrath. God's wrath is a time of great tribulation for those who are team Satan, those who have taken the mark of the beast, those who have allied themselves, the Antichrist and the false prophet and the new world order, and the one world religion. The harlot church that will dominate along with the one world government, the harlot church and the one world government will dominate political, economic, and social affairs during the Great Tribulation. So again, at time one, there's a Great Tribulation. Immediately after the Great Tribulation, there's the first resurrection, the marriage of the Lamb. Then at time two, there's the wrath of God. We're right now here at time number two. It's time for what? Revelation 16 says, go your ways and pour out on the earth the seven bowls containing God's wrath. 
So the first, so the first angel left the temple and poured out his bowl on the earth, and horrible malignant sores broke out on everyone who had the mark of the beast and who worshipped his statue. So clearly, this is after the great tribulation. We know that uh, it's after the great tribulation um, because we're following the book of Revelation, but people are not able to get the mark of the beast until the great tribulation because it's during that time when it will be available. Now, that doesn't mean that the technology doesn't exist today. I don't personally know. God hasn't shown it to me. Uh, I don't see specifically exactly what it is. Maybe you know what it is, or maybe you have some ideas about what it is, but the mark of the beast will be available uh, and a requirement for those who are going to participate in uh, the economy of the one world government during the Great Tribulation. And what does it say here? Horrible, malignant, and malignant means cancerous. Horrible, malignant sores broke out on everyone who had the mark of the beast and who worshipped his statue. Now, remember, a benign sore is one that's not cancerous. So the medical people say, oh, it's this this tumor or this sore, this cyst, it's benign. In contrast to something that's benign, uh, which means non-cancerous, is something that's malignant. So a malignant sore, a malignant tumor, a malignant cyst is one that is cancerous. It says here malignant sores broke out on everyone. What's everyone? A hundred percent of the people who have the mark of the beast and who worshipped his statue. Whose statue? The statue of the Antichrist. In Revelation chapter 13, the 666 Antichrist prophecy, we learn that the false prophet commissions a statue of the Antichrist. The false prophet commissions a statue of the Antichrist, and he requires everyone uh, to worship that statue. And so folks are going to do that. Uh, They're going to be rewarded for that during the wrath of Satan. But again, after the wrath of Satan at time one, at time two, the wrath of God, these individuals who are team Satan are going to be punished. They are going to experience the wrath of God beginning with cancer. Now, you might say, God is love. God would never give anyone cancer. Research scientists, that's a lie from the pits of hell. Listen, we're reading from the Bible, which is the infallible word of God. Please go there with me if you can on your uh, cell phone or if you have a physical Bible. Revelation 16 verse 2 says that the wrath of God, he has generated plagues in heaven. An angel is assigned to pour out the plagues on the earth. And those individuals who have aligned themselves, who have given themselves, To his enemy, Satan, instead of accepting the invitation to get in right standing with the creator of the earth, instead of uh, choosing to become a child of God, they reject that invitation and they are children of Satan. And therefore, uh, they receive the wrath of God. Let's continue. 
Revelation 16, verse 3. Then the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea, and it became like the blood of a corpse, and everything in the sea died. Then the third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs, and they became blood. And I heard the angel who had authority over all water saying, You are just, O Holy One, who is and who always was, because you have sent these judgments. Now, did you hear that? God has sent these judgments. Then the angel says, Since they shed the blood of your holy people and your prophets, you have given them blood to drink. It is their just reward. So in other words, when folks sit idly by during the Great Tribulation and they are allying with the Antichrist and the armies of the world and the false prophet, meanwhile, the people of Israel are going to be tormented and hunted down by the Antichrist. Then at the end of Revelation chapter 12, we learn that uh, when Satan experiences a humiliating defeat he's trying to take out israel uh with a flood but then the ground is going to open up to take all that water out so he thinks he has destroyed he's going to destroy israel with a flood with a natural disaster but it doesn't happen the ground literally opens up to receive all the water he's so humiliated he's so angry that's exactly the point in time during the great tribulation when the war expands from a war on biological Jews in Israel to Christians everywhere. It says that at the end of the 1,260 days prophecy, the war is extended beyond uh, biological Jews in Israel to include Christians everywhere. And so here the angel of the Lord says, these people who have allied themselves with the Antichrist, along with the Antichrist and the false prophet, they are going to shed the blood of Christians, all who are team Jesus, not all, but many who are team Jesus are going to have their blood shed, including prophets, including prophets of the Lord. And so that's what they did during Satan's wrath. At time one, but at time two, what God is going to do is he's going to give them blood to drink. So the fresh water and the salt water is going to become like blood. Now let's continue Revelation 16, verse 7. And I heard a voice from the altar saying, yes, O Lord God, the Almighty, your judgments are true and just. Then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun. Now let's pause here for a second. This is really important. I'm drinking some water. Let's go together. To, uh, verse 8 Let's go together to verse 8 Excuse me I drank some water It went down the wrong way Let's go together to uh, 
Revelation chapter 16, verse 8. And this is where it talks about the fourth of the seven last plagues. This is important because this is the verse that I believe contains information that confirms that no person in Christ, no person whose name is written in the Lamb's book of life will be here on the earth during the seven last plagues. Now I'm going to read it here, and I want you to go there with me if you can. Here's what it says. Then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, causing it to scorch everyone with its fire. Everyone was burned by this blast of heat, and they cursed the name of God, who had control over all these plagues. They did not repent of their sins and turn to God and give him glory. Now notice that it says, and it says it twice, everyone was burned by this blast of heat. It doesn't say everyone except those whose names is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, or everyone except those who had refused the mark of the beast. No, it says everyone. Uh, elsewhere in the book of Revelation, when there is an exception, it's noted. For example, in one place it says everyone except those whose name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, but here it doesn't say that. Again, it says, then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, causing it to scorch everyone with its fire. That means that 100% of the people on the earth, who are they going to be at this time? 100% of the people on the earth will be limited to those who belong to this world. So everyone is either in group one or group two. Group one, those who belong to this world, and group two, those who belong to the kingdom. So those who belong to this world will still be here after the first resurrection. They failed to make the marriage of the Lamb. Now what's going to happen to them? Everyone was burned by this blast of heat, and they cursed the name of God, who had control over all these plagues. They did not repent of their sins and turn to God and give him glory. Then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom was plunged into darkness. His subjects ground their teeth in anguish, and they cursed the God of heaven for their pains and sores. But they did not repent of their evil deeds and turn to God. Then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great Euphrates River, and it dried up so that the kings from the east could march their armies toward the west without hindrance. Let's pause there for a second. What's happening here? After the first resurrection, the marriage of the Lamb, the next key event is the seven final plagues, and that is a series of events that culminates with the Battle of Armageddon. The supernatural drying up the Euphrates rivers, uh, the Euphrates River is preparation for the Battle of Armageddon. A specific location has been determined for the Battle of Armageddon to be fought and won, and as we're about to hear, Jesus wants his enemies to be able to travel directly 
to the location of the war. What's the war? It's the war to end all wars. It's the Battle of Armageddon. So the sixth and final plague, uh, the sixth of the seven last plagues, it's the plague where an angel of the Lord is going to cause the Euphrates River to dry up supernaturally. We're not talking about water levels getting low because of climate change or the use of uh, a particular dam or something like that. We're talking about the supernatural drying up of the Euphrates River. Then it says, And I saw three evil spirits that looked like frogs leap from the mouths of the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. They are demonic spirits who work miracles and go out to all the rulers of the world to gather them for battle against the great against the Lord on that great judgment day of God the Almighty. Look, I will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Blessed are all who are watching for me, who keep their clothing ready, so they will not have to walk around naked and ashamed. And the demonic spirits gathered all the rulers and their armies to a place with the Hebrew name Armageddon. Okay. Now, we're going to hear the seventh and final plague. So this is this is the last plague before two key events happen. The headquarters of the Harlot Church is going to be destroyed. The entire city, it's a location on this present earth. Then the Battle of Armageddon is going to be fought and won. The city, the city where the headquarters for the Harlot Church, the One World Religion, that city is going to be destroyed in a single day. That's the purple and scarlet prophecy. That's the documentary briefly mentioned. We're going to hear it briefly mentioned here, but the next documentary, the purple and scarlet documentary, the next documentary that the angel of the Lord shows John the Revelator is all about that. And then the one after that is all about the Battle of Armageddon. So what we're about to hear is that the seventh and final plague is an earthquake. The seventh and final plague is an earthquake. And then this is the final plague and the next key event, the destruction of Babylon, that is the city that will be the headquarters for the one world religion led by the false prophet, the final pope. The false prophet is the final pope. This is mentioned briefly at the end of this documentary, but it's described in great detail in the next documentary. Now, here it is, Revelation chapter 16, verses 17 to 21. Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and a mighty shout came from the throne in the temple, saying, It is finished. Then the thunder crashed and rolled and lightning flashed, and a great earthquake struck, the worst since people were placed on the earth. Now think about that. A great earthquake struck. Let's go to the Richter scale for a second. So 
So the Richter scale, also called the Richter magnitude scale, is a measure of the strength of earthquakes. And uh, I'm curious about the highest recorded earthquake. Uh, according to the United States Geological Survey, it says the largest earthquake ever recorded was a magnitude 9.5 on May 22, 1960, in Chile, on a fault that is almost a thousand miles long. Now, uh, magnitude 10, as I recall, is the greatest magnitude uh, that can be reached on the Richter scale. This earthquake in 1960 was magnitude 9.5, according to our Bible. When the seventh and final plague is poured out, it says the, a great earthquake struck the worst since people were placed on the earth. So that means the magnitude is going to be greater than 9.5. It might exceed. It might exceed the 10 on the Richter scale. Now, that's the seventh and final plague, but there are more details shared. We get a few um, snapshots of events following. So this is documentary number seven. Documentary number eight, The Purple and Scarlet Prophecy, is about the destruction of the headquarters of the Harlot Church, the destruction of that city, Babylon. Documentary number nine is a description of the Battle of Armageddon. So the seventh and final plague, what is it? It's an earthquake. Now let's hear some more details. We get a few uh, snapshots of things to come af immediately after the earthquake. Revelation 16, verse 19 says, The great city of Babylon split into three sections, and the cities of many nations fell into heaps of rubble. So it's telling us a teeny bit about Babylon, and also it says the cities of many nations fell into heaps of rubble. Then it says, so God remembered all of Babylon's sins, and he made her drink the cup that was filled with the wine of his fierce wrath. And every island disappeared, and all the mountains were leveled. There was a terrible hailstorm, and hailstones weighing as much as 75 pounds fell from the sky onto the people below. They cursed God because of the terrible plague of the hailstorm. Now, who are these people below? These are those who are Team Satan. These are the people who belong to this world. These are the people who failed to make the marriage of the Lamb. They failed to make the first resurrection. They failed to make the rapture. So I'm saying the same thing. The marriage of the Lamb, the first resurrection, the rapture, we can use that language to describe the same thing. I don't see where rapture, that language is used uh, in the Bible, but people in everyday uh, discussion refer to the first resurrection as the rapture. Uh, if you don't like that language, that's no problem with me. Just so long as we're all on the same page, the marriage of the Lamb, when Jesus Christ gets his forever family in uh, the same uh, form that he's in, when we're with him physically forever and ever, when we have put on our incorruptible, glorified, perfected, immortal bodies that are 100% free of DNA errors, 
when we rise to meet him in the clouds. That's the marriage of the Lamb. Now, after the marriage of the Lamb, described in Revelation chapter 14 in the earth read prophecy, after the after all of the earth is harvested and everyone in heaven has returned with Jesus so they can put on their incorruptible bodies and all of us who are here on the earth when he returns we're also going to put on our incorruptible bodies as described in first thessalonians uh chapter four that's the marriage of the lamb also described in revelation 14 in the earth reap prophecy the wheat is harvested who's the wheat that's the good fish the fish that are kept in contrast to the bad fish who are thrown out the sheep who hear his voice in contrast to the goats. <clears throat> those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life in contrast to those who are going to participate in another resurrection. As described in Revelation 20, verses 4 and 5, those who will stand before God on the day of the great white throne judgment. Now, you might say, research scientists, we're all going to be judged. Some will be judged for rewards to determine which, if any, rewards they have earned. What works have made it through the fire? What works are worthy of a reward? But others will stand before God to determine to determine if their sin debt has been paid for. A hundred percent of the sin debt of every person whose name is written in Christ has been paid for. All those sins are blotted out of your books in heaven. Okay. So I want to pause there. I hope that this has been uh, an interesting conversation and discussion. I want to go to 404-502. I'm going to come to you. Now, it looks like your hand is down. It was raised earlier. 404-502, okay. It looks like your hand is raised again. I'm going to come to you now. 404-502, who are we talking to and where are you calling from? Hey, sure. How are you? I mean, Nicole, uh, this is William. Uh, I'm calling from uh, Georgia. Hey, William from Georgia. God bless you. Thank you for calling, uh, and thank you for being here with us. Today, we're talking about the seven plagues prophecy. Do you have uh, a comment uh, or a question on the book of Revelation? Yeah, well, I was going to, uh, I just wanted to add a comment. And uh, it has to to do, uh, when you look at uh, Revelation 2, 9, and 3, 9, Yes. How do how how do you see those you know those scriptures are coming into play? Let me go there with you now. So Revelation uh chapter 2 verse 9. Right. And Revelation chapter 3 verse 9 as well. Yes. Okay, so before we go there but I'm pulling those scriptures up, we know that we're in part 3 of the book of Revelation. So Revelation chapters 2 and 3, if we look at a red-letter Bible, 100% of those words 
are in red because they're the words of Jesus Christ. So these are uh, each of these things is going to fall in one of three categories. Either it's a word of praise for the people in, at that particular church, or it's words of criticism, or it's promises. If they can promises for them, should they? continue to be in Christ until the end. In other words, until they experience the first death. Let's go there uh, right now. Revelation 2 verse 9 says, I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. And I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. So that's the King James Version. Let me also pull up the the Amplified Classic. It says Revelation 2, verse 9, and just so we have some uh, context, we're looking at the letter to – so this is uh, the letter to the church of Ephesus. Right. And in verse 9 – it says, I know, so I'm reading from the Amplified Classic, I know your affliction and distress and pressing trouble and your poverty, but you are rich and how you are abused and reviled and slandered by those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. And then in verse 10 it says, fear nothing that you are about to suffer. Dismiss your dread and your fears. Behold, the devil is indeed about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested and proved and critically appraised, and for ten days you will have affliction. Jesus had a word of knowledge for them. So how I view this is uh, these individuals were experiencing a lot of, he calls it out, affliction and distress. Uh, This actually says in verse 8, and to the angel messenger of the assembly church in Smyrna. So these in the church of Smyrna had a particularly high level of affliction and distress. Jesus acknowledges that. Uh, Also poverty. So they had financial struggles. They were afflicted and they were distressed. I think there's some of us who can relate to it. And he says to them, but you are rich. So he was encouraging them. Uh, He said, I know how you're abused and reviled and slandered by those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. So there were uh, th- there were fake ones out there. Like today we have people who say that they're Christians, but we know that they're Team Satan. They were having that. People said that they were Jews, um, but they're actually Team Satan. And then he and then he tells them in verse ten. He gives them a word of knowledge. He says. Behold, the devil is indeed about to throw some of you into prison. Now imagine that Jesus gives, you know, it's like you're talking to a a prophet today, but they were talking, they were hearing from Jesus, and Jesus was giving them a prophetic word. Some of you are about to go to jail, and it's going to last for 10 days. And then he says to them, be loyally faithful unto death, even if you must die for it. And here's the word of promise. And I will give you the crown of life. So I I see verse 9 is going with verse 10. And this is part of uh, the words of promise. 
words of promise. That, so that's how I see that, uh, Revelation 2, verse 9. Okay. And 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 he makes that uh, that same uh, kind of statement in 3, 9. Let's go there. Okay. Let's go there next. Okay, so Revelation chapter 3, verse 9 says, Okay, and in verse 7 it says, And to the angel messenger of the assembly church in Philadelphia write. So we look at verse 7 to know, okay, which church was he talking to? So the church in Philadelphia, Revelation chapter 3. And in verse 9, Jesus says, Take note, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet and learn and acknowledge that I have loved you. Then he says, because you have guarded and kept my word of patient endurance, have held fast the lesson of my patience with the expectant endurance that I give you, I also will keep you safe from the hour of trial testing, which is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell upon the earth. I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have so that no one may rob you and deprive you of your crown. So um, this is very interesting. I also put this in that same category, words of promise. So what is he promising? Two things here. In verse 9, he says, I will make them come and bow down before your feet and learn and acknowledge that I have loved you. Now, when I look at that, I don't think that that was a promise for that day. I think that was a promise for the future. So in other words, yeah, once we have put on our incorruptible body and uh, we are ruling and reigning with Jesus Christ as members of the royal race, then we'll be on the earth with the uh, those who are mortals at that time, those who failed to make the resurrection but who still continued. So I view verse 9 as a promise. I will make them come and bow down before your feet and learn and acknowledge that I have loved you. And then he also shares um, more promises. He says uh, in verse 10, I also will keep you safe from the hour of trial, which is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell upon the earth. I view that um, is likely referring to the seven last plagues. And then he he says, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have so that no one may rob you and deprive you of your crown. So those okay. were promises. Uh, that's my perception of that. What do you think, okay. William? Well, mm-hmm. I, I, uh, what I, what I, I was just, I was just sharing that with you. Have you ever, have you ever heard of the Kahazars? Can people? you say that? K a z a r s. Kahazars. I don't think. K. No, I haven't. Well, uh, check out a little research on uh, the history of of the Kahazars, and um, also in reference to those two verses, and just and just see where see where God leads you. Okay. 
I think um, there may be some uh, interest in uh, revelation from that. That, Amen. Uh, that he that that he you know he will share with you, um, because the you know Israelites came through the uh, line of uh, Shem, and so like I said, if you look at the look up the Khazars, K H A Z A R S. And uh, their relationship to uh, to God's people, mm-hmm. and look at that in reference to uh, two nine and three nine, and just, and just see what God shows you about it. Thank you for that. I always want to learn something new. I've written that down. Thank you, thank okay. you, thank just, you. Okay, I know you're a researcher, and I, I think last time you know you're definitely a, a truth seeker. And one of the things that, you know, I know in my walk, uh, whenever I ask God, uh, he eventually gives me the answer or, you know, or direction or something like that because he's constantly uh, sharing and revealing new knowledge and information about things. So, but, yeah, I just wanted to share that with you. Thank you. Well, I'm so happy that you uh are with us today. I appreciate your uh, questions. It was wonderful to get to look at the seven letters to seven churches with you. Was there anything else you wanted to? Um, uh, no, no, comment? no. That was that was no that was that was that was, that was the uh, that was the, one of the main things that I had on my mind, and I you know I've done some research on, and uh, I you know I know how you you know you're a researcher and you. You know, really, uh, you know, seeking out the truth and all. So, I just thought I'd just share share that. That's all. Thank you, William. I appreciate you. Uh, it's okay. wonderful to hear from you. Well, I'm going to put you on mute so we can continue. Okay. Uh, Great. Before uh, before I let you go. Say again. I say, is there anything else before uh, before I let you go? Uh, no, no, that no, that's all I have. Okay, well, we're going to continue talking. We just heard from William. Praise God! Thank you for being with us. Okay, thank okay. you. Of course, thank you, thank you. Okay, so we are having discussion on. The Book of Revelation and the Seven Plagues Prophecy. I want to thank William for being uh, with me and with us today. You can call during the live internet broadcast one three one nine five two seven six zero two seven. That's one three one nine five two seven six zero two seven. I want to uh, share with you uh, a quick overview of what we're going to be talking about in the month of February. So the prophecy that we heard today, the seven plagues prophecy, that's what John wrote down. He wrote down everything he saw and heard when he saw the seven plagues documentary. We can refer to it as the seven plagues prophecy. But, again, these aren't predictions that 
scientists generated, which may or may not come to pass. These are 100% sure and soon-to-come realities. These are realities, soon-coming future realities documented. And I want to share with you what we're going to be talking about in February, the purple and scarlet prophecy. Now, we just heard at the end of the seven plagues documentary that God is going to remember the sins of Babylon. God's going to remember the sins of Babylon, and Babylon is referred to as a city. Now, I've heard people refer to Babylon as New York City or as the United States of America or uh, fill in the blank. In February, we're going to analyze the purple and scarlet prophecy, Revelation chapters 17, 18, and verses 1 to 5 of 19. But I want to tell you right now, so you can get ready, I believe that the book of Revelation points to one specific city as the headquarters for the one world religion that will be promoted by the false prophet, the final pope. That city is a city of seven hills. That city is Rome. Purple and scarlet are the colors worn by the individuals, the individuals that form the leadership of the one world religion. Can you think of any religion where the leaders wear purple and scarlet clothing? A book written thousands of years ago, documented the reality that the one world religion led by the false prophet would have leaders that wear robes that are purple and scarlet. If we know who the harlot church is, we can make sure that we are not deceived. We're going to be talking about it in February. The one world religion, the final pope, the city of seven hills, the scarlet beast, the reality that God is going to use the Antichrist to destroy the headquarters for the Harlot Church. Now, isn't that amazing? God's going to use the Antichrist to take out the city that houses the harlot church, and it's going to be destroyed in a day, one day. I'm so excited about what God is doing uh, here on PGN. I'm excited to have you with me and with us. Uh, Do you have a comment or question about the final pope, the scarlet beast, the beast that comes out of the Uh, bottomless pit that is Satan. Maybe you have a question about the Antichrist or the Battle of Armageddon. It's countdown to the Battle of Armageddon. It's countdown to the rebuilding of the Third Temple. It's countdown to the Great Tribulation. We're getting to that day and that hour. That day and that hour where very soon Very soon, we're going to look up 
and we're going to see Jesus Christ coming. Every eye will see him. And for those of us whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life and who are here on this present earth, in the blink of an eye, we're going to transition from mortality to immortality. And for all believers who die in Christ, maybe they died in Christ 2,000 years ago or two days ago or 200 years ago, doesn't matter. Every person who dies in Christ has perfect continuity of life. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord for those who die in Christ, and that the day is the day of one's death is better than the day of one's birth for those who die in Christ. Did you hear that? Now, listen. Don't you might say, Nicole? Nicole, how cruel can you be to say that the day of one's death is better than the day of one's birth, friend? The Bible says. The day of one's death is better than the day of one's birth for those who die in Christ. Now, obviously, it's not better for those of us who remain and who miss our loved ones, but it's better for them. When those who are in Christ are in heaven, they rest from their labors, and their good works follow them. They rest from their labors. We're laboring here. Laboring for what? For the kingdom of God. To bring about the plans and purposes of God. We're team Jesus. Now you might say, I'm not team Jesus. I'm team truth. Friend, would you lend me your ears for a moment? If you are saying, I am not team Jesus, I'm team truth. I want to share with you something that the Bible says. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The beginning of what? The beginning of time. Time is finite. What does that mean? There's before time. What's that? Before the beginning. Eternity past. There's time, which we are in right now. It's a linear stream. We're coming to the end of the world and the end of time. Once we reach the end of time, we're in eternity future. We're in eternity future. Now, if you say, I'm team truth, but I'm not team Jesus, I need to share with you the reality communicated in the word of God. There are only two teams. Every human being, in the end, is either a child of God or a child of Satan. You cannot be an orphan. You cannot opt for a third team. If you say, I am agnostic, I am not certain, that it's possible to know whether God exists or not. That does not change the reality that God is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And there is a Lamb's Book of Life. And only, only those who have been to mediation, in other words, only those 
who have allowed Jesus Christ to become Lord and Savior, those who have repented of their sins, they've made Jesus Lord and Savior, and by doing that, they follow Jesus, we follow Jesus, because First Timothy says Jesus Christ is the only mediator between God the Father and man. God has a case against me and against you. You might say, Nicole, that is nuts. God doesn't have a case against me. God is love. God is justice. God is justice. God will not allow anything stained with sin to be in his presence. And he's returning to the new earth. If you have sin debt on your account, you will not be allowed to dwell on the new earth, which is coming. Now, I'm sharing this to say I strongly believe that any person who is seeking the truth, if you really want to know what is truth, You need to take a look at Acts chapter 2, verse 38. There's no option C. If you have not been recruited to Team Jesus, which is option A, that means that you're still on the roster for Team Satan. You're on the roster for Team Satan because you were put on that roster due to your connection to Adam. This world is under the curse. There's only one way to be restored into right standing with God. You sin, but you don't want to sin. I sin, but I don't want to sin. How can that sin debt be paid for? How can we get our mind, will, and emotions, our mind, will, and emotions to cooperate with God, to become perfected? Well, we're three in one, body, spirit, and soul. When we get saved, our spirit man is perfected. And then we find and follow the purposes of God, starting with reading his word and our soul moves in the direction of perfection. And when we participate in the marriage of the Lamb, our body is perfected. You need Jesus Christ in order to become what God has planned for you to become. Now, what are his plans? He plans for you to live in a peak performance body to live in a body that never, ever gets old, that will never die, that will never experience Alzheimer's or cancer or cataracts or gray hair or back pain. You might say, well, I was born without my leg or I was born with multiple sclerosis or I was born, friend, God's plan is for you to be born again to be born again and to put on a perfected, glorified body. Who on this earth wouldn't pay all of his or her wages to get 
a prescription for a perfect body. And I'm telling you that there is a man, Jesus Christ, that has a prescription for you to get a perfect body. Better than Dr. Pimple Popper, better than Dr. Oz, better than Dr. Phil. Any medical doctor, psychologist, uh, epidemiologist, any person that you respect who has great wisdom, take what that person knows, multiply it times 100 billion, and perhaps we're beginning to approach the wisdom of God. You want what Jesus has to offer because what he has to offer is eternal life. Now, I'm not talking about you celebrating your 100th birthday. I'm talking about you celebrating your 100 millionth birthday. Think about that. Now, in my day, I like music uh you know i don't need to say the exact uh artist that i like but i like different kinds of music music that i grew up on uh when i was a kid the walkman came out the first tape that i was given was uh michael jackson's thriller so i listened to that thing a thousand times uh you know maybe i shouldn't have been doing that but that was what was shared with me Now, think about this. In my day, people want to talk about Michael Jackson. Maybe in your day it was the Temptations. You know, uh, in another person's day it was Billie Holiday. In the future, all who are in Christ from all generations will be on this same present earth for a thousand years. You want to be here when Abraham is walking on the earth. You want to be here when your great-grandmother is on the earth. You want to be here when your father is restored to perfect health. You don't want to be underneath the earth in a prison of darkness awaiting another resurrection. You don't want to be with all the fools who rejected God because they enjoyed evil more than they loved God. Satan is a liar. There's nothing exciting about hell. Hell is a place that is absent from hope. The truth is, Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. No man gets to God the Father except through him except through him. Now let me read that scripture to you. Revelation, uh, sorry, John chapter 14, verse 6. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. It says, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Who's the Father? God the Father. God the Father lives in heaven, but he's going to be relocating his home from present heaven to the new earth. When he comes to the new earth, 
nothing evil will be allowed on the new earth. What does that mean? All of God's enemies are first going to be destroyed by Jesus in the order of their destruction, as described in the book of Revelation. First, the Antichrist and the false prophet are going to be destroyed. Those are the first five of God's enemies. They are going to be destroyed, as described in Revelation chapter 19, in the marriage supper prophecy. They are going to be destroyed. They're going to be thrown into Gehenna, the lake of fire, once they are captured at the Battle of Armageddon. A thousand years later, Satan... He's going to be released from the bottomless pit. He's going to be released from underneath the earth. He's not there right now. He's going to be thrown there after the Battle of Armageddon. He's going to be uh, placed in the bottomless pit. He's not there right now. But after the Battle of Armageddon, according to Revelation 20, verse 1, he's going to get in a hand-to-hand combat with the angel. He's going to be thrown there. But a thousand years later, he's going to be destroyed. How's he going to be destroyed? The second death. He's going to be thrown into Gehenna, the lake of fire. Then, after another resurrection, this is the resurrection for all the losers. Who are the losers? The goats. Who are the goats? The tares, the weeds that were thrown out. So there's the wheat and the weeds. If a person didn't participate in the harvest of the wheat, that's because the person was one of the weeds or the tares. So the harvest of the wheat is the first resurrection. That's when the good crop, that's when God's forever family puts on immortality we all put on our incorruptible bodies that's the harvest of the wheat of the wheat but another resurrection another resurrection happens after satan is destroyed and at the great white throne judgment all the people who participated in another resurrection as described in revelation 20 verses 4 and 5 All those people are the people who are team Satan, the children of Satan. You say, research scientists, uh, we're all children of God. No, we're not all children of God. The Bible says in 1 John, this is how you know who are children of God and those who are children of Satan. We're not all children of God. Don't be mad at me when I say that. I'm simply reporting what the Bible says. Some choose to be children of Satan. Some choose to stay on Satan's roster. Now you might say, I haven't made any choice. I told you I'm agnostic. Or you might say, "Uh, I need time to think about it. You know, at any time, at any time, at any time a person could have an earth suit that gives out. You don't have the kind of time you think. You don't have the kind of time you think. The number one thing you ought to do with your time is make sure that you are on the roster for Team Jesus. In other words, make sure your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You say, 
uh, research scientist, how can I be sure? Go to the Internet and type in Acts 2, colon 38. Now, Acts is the name of a book in the Bible. Two is the chapter that you're going to. So you're saying, I'm going to look at Acts chapter 2. When you write colon 38, that's taking you to verse 38. Now, in there are the instructions that the very first Christians were given for how to make sure that their names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. In other words, how to be saved how to experience salvation, how to make sure that you're born again. Now, what does it mean to be born again? I'll tell you what I think. It means you're going to put on that peak performance, incorruptible, 100% free of DNA errors body when Jesus returns. You're going to transition from mortality to immortality. You'll be born again into a perfect earth suit. The tent you're in right now, it's wearing out. It's inferior. It's inferior. Inferior relative to what? Relative to what God has for you. It's merely It's merely version one. You need to be upgraded. You need to be upgraded. God wants to upgrade you. Are you going to cooperate? Now, listen, you don't have the kind of time you think you have. You need to make sure that you you get this done. Make sure your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You don't want to find yourself snatched out of your body, and instead of rising up, instead of rising up to be present with the Lord in heaven, you begin to descend down to the pits of hell where all the fools are, all the people who wanted to practice adultery, all the people who wanted to practice sexual immorality, all the thieves and the liars and the sorcerers and the astrologers and the ancestor worshipers, all the people who worship their brain, all of the criminals, all of the people who thought that they were good enough. In other words, they said, well, I might have done some wrong things, but I did more right than wrong, therefore I know I'm going to heaven. That's a lie from the pits of hell. You don't work your way into heaven. You can't get into heaven based on your good deeds. You can only get in through mediation. You can only get in through Jesus Christ. Now, again, what did Jesus say? I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What does that mean? Nicole does not come to God the Father except through Jesus Christ. Now let's put in your name. Your name does not come to God the Father except through Jesus Christ. Don't think you're going to get an exception. God is a just God. He's not going to hold everybody else to these standards in the Bible but say, oh, I'm going to give you a pass because you thought you had more time. Now is the time for salvation. Hallelujah. I'm so happy that you've been here with me and with us. 
If you have any questions about the book of Revelation, would you call? Our PGN phone number is 1319-527-6027. That's 1319-527-6027. You can also text. Our PGN text number is 1214-505-8719. I would love to talk to you about any topic in the book of Revelation, including but not limited to the Antichrist, the Third Temple, the Battle of Armageddon, the Scarlet Beast, the Bottomless Pit, the Mark of the Beast, the Great Wine Press, the False Prophet, the Final Pope, the One World Religion, the One World Government, the New Earth, the Second Death, the Great White Throne Judgment. Do you have an interest in any of these topics, would you call so we can talk about it? I'd love to hear from you. We're going to end today. We're coming back on Sunday at 12 noon Texas time and next Thursday at 7 p.m. Texas time. Until next time, friend, if you haven't done so yet, call out to God. He promises to show you great and mighty secrets that you do not know. God bless you. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.